Welcome to the Immigrant Squared podcast. My name is Anna. I was born in one of the former Soviet republics, raised in a small yet very unique country in the Middle East, and have been living in the U.S. for almost 20 years. I've always been curious about different languages, cuisines, music, and traditions. I also always had a desire to help people become their best self. I invite you to join me on an adventure throughout the world as I discover immigrants' stories, learn about new cultures, and together we find new ways to help immigrants unlock their potential. Welcome to episode number five of the Immigrant Squared podcast. Today our guest is Sonia Knowles. Sonia is an immigrant and a fellow woman in security. Her and I will discuss why she only recently adopted the identity of an immigrant, what have been her struggles throughout the way, and also why being an immigrant, multilingual and multicultural, is very beneficial to security operations centers in the private sector. So Sonia, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Hi, Anna. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to finally have this conversation with you and looking forward to the questions and just uh, letting my mind roll. <laughs> Absolutely. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your story? So I came to the uh, United States when I was 18. I could not make it to a single university back home. I was born in Peru. Getting into uh, college back home, it's a very competitive, competitive process. And so obviously I didn't make it. And one of the solutions was, well, you're going to the U.S. and you're going to be an engineer. Of course, it didn't work out like that. I never became a an engineer and I uh, was cut off from the parents. And part of that process uh, kind of pushed me towards, uh, let's get married. So <laughs> I got married at 19 and never really had the chance to explore the United States other than as an English as a second language student and then straight into uh, becoming a military spouse. So that was my assimilation process into American culture, uh, a culture, a subculture of service of you know families in the military that constantly give it all and never fully identifying myself as an immigrant never really had a chance to think about that until 2016 or 2017 and obviously yes i spoke a different language i had a different culture i could see that i was constantly learning new words in english but never had the time to fully you know, what's an immigrant? What's what's my job as an immigrant? What are my responsibilities as an immigrant? I never really thought about that. And yesterday when we had this conversation, it made me think, think through the night and discuss with my son, hey baby, you know I'm an immigrant? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know. Well, do you know what an immigrant is? He's like, yeah, you come from somewhere else and then you come to live in the United States. He's like, yeah, that's what I am. So it's been a, a discovery and an acceptance and also been very grateful for being in the U.S. as an immigrant because even though it is difficult because there are so many misconceptions and I think there's been so much negative rhetoric on what it entitles us to call ourselves 
good immigrants. Um, I also think that, well, it's our responsibility to make the best we can, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, what is uh, something that you try to teach your son from your culture um, that you brought to the United States? Family. Family is so important. Uh, I grew up in a neighborhood with all of my aunts and uncles nearby my grandma. We were a matriarchy. <laughs> and, and we were the children of all the adults, not only our parents. And I'm very blessed to be able to bring that into the life of my children because they have my sisters and they have my mom and my dad and my brother. Um, and so I teach them that, you know, in America, as we go through our process, we realize that it's a very individualistic society. There is very little of community. Um, once again, going back into being the military spouse, I discovered community through the military families that I met. But then when walking outside of that title, the military spouse, it was very hard to, to find community. And so I want my kid to learn that, to learn that his family is his community and that he can always go back to his family for, for support and help because we're ready. That's our job to support each other, you know? Yeah, and language, of course. I feel bad for my kid. He knows that when mama starts speaking Spanish, uh-oh, something is out, something is going on. <laughs> so, Spanish is tr means trouble at home. <laughs> yes, it does. And Liam, he's constantly planning the next place that we're going to travel to and that we're going to visit. And his question is, mama, do we have any family there? Because I happen to have family everywhere. And I guess we all enjoy being immigrants, <laughs> but yeah, that's the reality, which is everywhere. That's nice. Yeah, I think you bring a really important point, like that sense of community. Um, I also met a lot of immigrants since I immigrated myself to the United States. And now I have friends all over the world because some of them went back to their home countries. And it always feels like this, you know, sense of community. Most of the places where I go to, I have someone I know and it, and it gives you that, you know, comfort and, and safety. So I think that is great. What have been some of your struggles along the way? I know when we spoke last, you mentioned something about accent, which for me has also been a struggle. So I'm just curious how you dealt with that. Um, I remember the most difficult word for me at the very beginning was literature. So I'll go walk around and just try to say literature, literature, literature. <laughs> Because it never sounded right. And I was so self-aware and so uncomfortable with my accent, the fact that people could tell that I'm a foreigner, not only by the way I look, the color of my skin, but also if it was through a phone conversation. I mean, my name is Sonia Nobles. It sounds very local. <laughs> but once you hear me, I don't sound very local. And I was, it was very uncomfortable. And I think that was my hardest my hardest personal struggle, which is the ability to blend in through speech. And I love to talk. So uh, being self-aware also when you're giving briefings, you know, are people understanding what I'm saying? Did I say it right? <laughs> uh, so even to the day, I kind of have to breathe and just confirm and tell myself, you got this. 
they will understand. And if they don't, probably they'll ask a question, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. That's what it is. It's harder. Something I used to do is like really subconsciously, and I try not to do that anymore, is when I was, you know, not ashamed, but a bit shy about my accent. And when I uh, was presenting and there was a word that I didn't know how to pronounce, automatically my volume would go down like 10 levels <laughs> because I was yes. hoping secretly that somebody would hear the word I'm trying to pronounce and say it louder than me, but in the right pronunciation and then I will repeat it and therefore I will not look like I didn't know how to pronounce it um, but I stopped doing that because I always tell myself I, I can only do my best and I try and learn and if there are words I don't know how to pronounce I literally go on the Google Translate app on my phone and listen to you know press the microphone button and also listen to how Google Translate pronounces it and try to remember it um, but it's also uh, something that I think we need to embrace. This is who we are. We speak different languages, right? Yes, it is. It is. I don't know if it happens to you, but it's also translating sense of humor. I think to yeah. today, I am so literal. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> tells me it's not funny if I have to explain it to you. It's like it's because I don't understand if that's supposed to be funny. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, has also been a difficult thing. Yeah, <laughs> jokes are not as fun when they're translated or or explained. Um, I had the same issue with idioms sometimes when I, I messed them up. And I mean, my friends, they, they laugh about it, but they're like, well, we think what you meant was this. And I say, yeah, of course, <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> I have a really good friend at the Bryan Police Department, Jamie, and she baptized me, Zena. Uh, because I will always change the colloquialisms like you. Instead of giving people two cents, I'll give them 10 cents. <laughs> so, That's that so funny of- you say that. I presented on Tuesday at work uh, for other analysts uh, in the industry. And somebody asked me a question at the end. And I said, well, if you want my five cents. And then I was like, no, no, I meant if you want my two cents. <laughs> I don't know if they caught it or not, but um, yeah, totally, totally understand that part. And uh, you and I both work in the security community, so I'm curious uh, to hear how has been your experience uh, in the security community and why you believe that us being immigrants is something that actually um, is a strength and should be uh, embraced. Absolutely. Um, I think that a security professional that comes from a country or a region that is volatile will definitely bring a different uh, level of awareness and it adds to the resilience that an organization has because we, we, we look at things differently. I don't know how to explain it at this point. It's, it's such a natural skill that, for example, as a kid, we were taught Uh, how to identify the possibility of a vehicle that may go boom. Or if there was an explosion, you know, go ahead and tuck and roll, open your mouth so it doesn't explode your eardrums. Uh, These kind of things that my son thankfully doesn't have to learn, but that shape me into the security professional that I am today. You know, checking if vehicles are following, especially when I go overseas, my level of awareness increases. And when I educate the travelers 
or the expats in my organizations, I kind of bring awareness as one of the most important safety mechanisms that they have. Be aware of your surroundings. Look at them the way I used to look at them as a kid. You know, there's a threat everywhere. And it's not that we don't trust, it's just that we have learned through the experiences that we have, whatever we're coming from, that there is a threat everywhere. We just need to be prepared for those and how to react. And so, yes, absolutely. Like me, like you, I've met many amazing professionals who come from a foreign background and the languages also allows them to do better investigations, you know, when they go to local places and when they communicate with the specialists or the people within that country, also they don't get lost in translation because sometimes a hand also speaks to you. Sometimes the way our body is standing is also speaking to us. So we can read those those things. So yeah, it's been great. I love I love what I do. Yeah. It's a good I couldn't agree more with you. I, I mean, I also absolutely love what I do and, and I can really relate to what you're saying, the things that we were fortunately or unfortunately taught during our childhood. Um, I grew up in my early teens in, in Jerusalem and Israel during a lot of suicide bombings and attacks and it kind of uh, shaped me into who I am today. And as far as security and then risk tolerance and being aware of your surrounding, be, being suspicious about, you know, different objects or things that are left behind, especially in D.C. when I used to work downtown and, would you know, take the metro to work. Um, so I think, yeah, those experiences are definitely really um, helpful at work. Also, when we're doing risk assessments for our um, our jobs, I think we bring a, a very different perspective. Um, also, something you mentioned to me when we spoke uh, yesterday was uh, why being an immigrant and having all these languages is very helpful in a GSOC environment, in a security operations center. So just curious what you think about that. Um, so I enjoy doing a lot of deep and dark web Uh, research because we get to see sometimes the dirt in a different way but I no longer look in one specific language I go into the languages that I've been exposed to or the languages that I speak and this kind of broadens the uh, finding threats and when translating them and presenting them to the uh, the remaining the rest of the group it I always get the, I couldn't find that. It's like, yeah, maybe it's because it came in Portuguese or it came out in Spanish. And you know how we all have, uh, how can colloquialisms or just terms that are very unique to each nation and each country. And in Spanish, every single country speaks their own way of Spanish. And especially when it comes to the criminal kind, uh, they all use terms differently. You just need to know how to, how to tap them. So yeah, I, that's one of the things that I find it's very useful when it comes to investigations and research. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really great. I mean, languages are great and definitely, uh, seen, um, throughout my career using Spanish and meeting people from different countries in Latin America. There are so many local terms that if you're not from there or you haven't learned it then um it's it's harder to understand um 
but every you know every country and every culture br brings its own beauty and i think that that is uh great uh have you had any struggles in the security community um in the private sector that you something you wish that people could do to help um immigrants and people who bring that kind of diversity in our security community i i've been really lucky and um i think uh most of the security environments and GSOCs and bosses that I've had in leadership, they have always been very accepting of the differences that uh, the immigrants in my team bring as assets to the organizations. So never really been exposed, like let us say racism or because of my condition as a condition, <laughs> because of my position as an immigrant, I think it's been more because I'm a woman. I think being a woman in security, which is naturally known to be a man's field, uh, tends to be not necessarily well accepted. I think we get undermined a lot until they discover that we're capable, but not not from an immigrant uh, perspective. It's very, I don't know if it's happened to you, but have you noticed that somehow within GSOCs, there is variety? when it comes to nationalities and languages. Absolutely. I think uh, I haven't worked in a GSOC, but I have worked with GSOCs and I still do uh, today. And I think that this is one of the, the best things that hiring managers and those who are building GSOCs can do is to bring that diversity and variety, not only in you know, professional experiences, but also cultural experiences and languages, I think is extremely uh, important thing because a lot of the companies uh, that, I mean, I think most of the companies that have GSOCs are also have very diverse populations. So for these individuals, you know, picking up these calls, um, it's almost like more comforting when you're talking to someone that you can relate to, especially when it comes to situations of crisis, right? Yes. So I think that's a very important yeah, um, advice for, for people when building GSOCs and when uh, doing the hirings. Uh, it's funny that you talk about comfort because I remember right out of uh, being a government contractor, my very first job within within months, not even months, within a month of being on my very first job in corporate America, the uh, earthquake in Tibet happened. And the people that I was helping, they were from Spain. And I remember clearly one of the ladies actually saying, it feels good to speak to someone that understands me, you know, and because you connect, you connect not only uh, with semantics and, and how language is used, but also the emotional connection that language brings. You know, those words of comfort. And in Latin America and the Spanish language in general, it's a, it's a very sweet language, like Arabic. It's all about loving words. It's all about kind words. <laughs> so I remember that, what that lady said. And, and it is true. It just helps us connect. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask you when we were talking about colloquialism and sometimes understanding beyond words. Yeah. Have you ever gone to call a family member to ask for advice? Say, hey, what does this mean within this context? You know, get the family's help. 
Absolutely. It's funny you say that. I've been looking a lot um, lately at the um, tensions, ongoing tensions between Russia and Ukraine. And um, I was born in the Ukraine, but I'm a native Russian speaker. I, I don't uh, speak Ukrainian, but I understand it. And a lot of times when I'm reading these articles for work throughout the years, throughout my different careers and in the security field, I found myself multiple times calling my mom or my dad and saying, hey, I'm reading this article, but this sounds like a colloquial war or this army general from Russia said this and that. What does he mean? Um, so definitely, yeah, always tap into uh, family for uh, for support and translation. Yeah, so it's kind of like an added value, you know, having the family also to call for, hey, SOS, I need help here. It happened to me. I remember it was a business dinner in Mexico and my dad way before going, he's like, never, ever take the head of the table because it means that you get to pay for the bill. And well, go ahead and we go to the business uh, meeting and dinner and my boss gets asked to sit at the head of the table and it's like, if you take it, you're paying for the bill. I don't know if this is fully culturally business ethics in Mexico, but hey, somebody out there gave me the heads up and I don't know if we pay for the bill, but <laughs> yeah, came in with uh, my five cents. <laughs> <laughs> or two cents yeah this is super interesting though um it reminds me uh something i mentioned in my uh first podcast episode um, my favorite class in undergraduate was cross-cultural communications and in particular we learned about the differences in um in business environments and and that's a really cool one i wish maybe there is a book out there but i wish somebody wrote one if there isn't on the different cultural norms when it comes to business. Um, I think it's very important, especially for global companies in our, you know, in our field when people are traveling, knowing those things. Like somebody told me, I don't remember if it was Japan or somewhere else where, you know, if somebody presents you a business card, you have to take it with both hands and you have to keep it on the desk in front of you until the meeting is over. Otherwise, it's rude if you don't. Uh, and things like that. I think it's super fascinating. And it's also important to know as you know, our companies, we have people that are expats and traveling all over the world and doing business and knowing those little things can help you and gain more trust with whoever you are meeting, you know, your business client. Um, so I think those really important. It is part of the research process too. Um, you know, it's part of the acculturation process. For example, coming to the U.S., maybe learning a little bit of what the U.S. is about prior prior to arriving, other than language, also helps. Because if you notice, every region is different, too. I mean, I was lucky as a military spouse to go through so many different regions, California, Texas, Florida, each one different in its own way. Uh, but I will constantly do the research on what was expected, not only military-wise at the base and based on the rank and the support that I had to provide the service member, but also, you know, what's normal in this area, food-wise or whatever it's available. And when it comes to international exposure, same, you know, finding out a little bit more, what is the business etiquette? You know, hand it with both hands, little bow, and it helps. It helps our organizations look better. And us as individuals, uh, it feels welcoming in both ways, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be very helpful 
for immigrants all over the world, not only people who come to the U.S., there are people immigrating and migrating all the time um, globally. What are some other things that you personally think would be helpful uh, for immigrants to kind of integrate, but yet at the same time not lose their sense of like self and, and where they came from? So th I'm going to borrow that very last sentence. How do you confirm to yourself? How do you tell yourself, don't lose your identity as this person from this place? And then borrow my experience of, I never really understood my identity as an immigrant until so many years later. I think each one of us goes through a different process of uh, assimilation to in a way we want to call it that way and our own process of acceptance what it's very important is that we abide by a simple and very regular rule which is every single human being it's equal just treat everyone the way you want to be treated be kind to people be honest be hardworking. it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter what you're trying to show Those are very basic rules of engagement anywhere. You know, do your best. And if someone doesn't do it to you, turn around, walk away. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's kind of my advice for every single one of us that has gone through different processes of immigration and migration. Whatever we go, let's bring our very best and let's leave that place better than the way we found it. So... That's all I have. That's what, those are my 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> 10 cents, because it's very super valuable. Thank you so much, Sonia. Thank you for taking the time to join the podcast. Thank you for sharing your experience and story. And thank you so much for the very, very valuable advice for people. Well, thanks, Anna. I really appreciate that we actually gave each other some time to get to know each other better. I know that we... Uh, exchange a lot of ideas in similar environments, security environment as women in security. But now once again, and in a different way as immigrants who make uh, this country a better place. Absolutely. And hopefully soon we can meet in person at some conference and network a little more. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, we'll be in contact. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, you can follow for updates on Instagram at elisadel underscore. See you next time.